Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. All right. Well, for those I haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Matt, and uh, we have had the privilege of being here in Winston-Salem for, it'll be 16 years this year for my family, and we moved from Charlotte, uh, planted this church almost, we just hit our 19th anniversary as a church actually this month, and then uh, we commuted, I commuted for four years uh, back and forth from South Charlotte to come up here, and really thankful for what the Lord has done and is doing, and to meet all of you, our best friends are here, and just so grateful for what God's doing in this in this city and what He has ahead for us. I want to give you uh, to start out today. I'd like to give you a little bit of an update related to the building project, the new building project. Uh, some of you were here about a, maybe almost two months ago now when I first mentioned the possibility of us doing this, and so um, if you could bear with me a little bit, those who are who didn't hear about it, let me give you a little recap. So we have been up here, as, as I just mentioned, as a church for 19 years. We've never owned our own place. We, we have always rented, leased uh, gymnasiums and, and then this place for the last however long, since 2013. And very grateful for that, but would love to have our own place. Uh, we've paid, you know, between all of the places together, probably It'll be close to, I'm guessing, $800,000 to $1 million in rent over these years, and would like to not do that. Uh, where we have our own place, and it would be adequate for us. We can grow into it, used for the next 20 years or so. So we've been looking a lot for a long time, actually, and the place that we're looking at right now is one that we've been trying uh, for over a year to, to get, actually. And there's a lot of story. I'll get to tell the whole story, hopefully, at some point, but... Um, it's a 73,000 square foot facility um, on 9.6 acres. It's the Renolda Commons Shopping Center, the corner of Yadkinville and Renolda Road, if you know where that is. Um, has about, depending on how many tenants and how big a space is, about 18 commercial tenant spaces in this shopping center, which we would like to have rented out and then over time the rent collected paying for the loan for everything as well as beyond that an, a, a place for us to be able to give in, in many, many different ways toward missions and outreach and a lot of different things. So that is um, the plan. Uh, I can't talk about the exact price. It's in the contract that I can't talk about it yet. So I'm sorry, I'd share it with you. Um, of what we're getting the building for, uh, but it will need um, a lot of upfit. So over these last 60 days, we're, we've been in due diligence. I've learned a lot, learned a lot about what is needed, learned a lot about the building. There's been a lot of hours spent with a lot of different contractors. And as we've gone over not only the plans, but what it will cost to actually get in there, utilize it. And unfortunately, the costs are higher than I anticipated. That's usually how it works with most projects, whether it's home or whatever. Um, and, you know, costs have gone up for building materials lately this year. They've gone up a lot, actually significantly. So that's played a part into the cost being higher than what we were hoping for it to be. But honestly, all in all, it feels as though this is an incredible opportunity and a gift from the Lord. Um, 
to step into something that would not just be a building that's used one day a week, but a building that is used uh, for a lot of businesses throughout the week. And then, of course, an amazing place for us as a church to have and to grow, again, for the next 20 years or so. Um, we do have some, some needs there. The, the, if we were to buy this right now, the existing tenants that are there, there are out of about the 18 possible ones, there are five. So those five, what they pay would not cover the loan for the whole facility right off the bat. We would need to add some more renters, and that's the plan. I've had great response from several people in here and outside of here who would like to be in there and like to rent a space. And so um, if even half of those actually follow through and, and do it, then I think we'd be in, in, in good shape. But initially, we would be, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be difficult. For one reason is that during the purchase and then during the build-out phase, uh, we would still need to be here for quite a while until everything was done. So then you're carrying the rent and everything here, all the costs associated with that, in addition to um, a new loan and all of that. So there's some challenges there, uh, but I feel like that we can make it work. I feel like the Lord is really going to help us. Um, we, as I mentioned a couple months ago, we need to raise some money. Uh, the initial thought, knowing what we knew and what the banker had told me, was that we needed to raise about $200,000. Uh, so far, 130000 has come in for that, which is awesome. Yeah, that's just honestly incredibly encouraging. Uh, and I've just mentioned it twice. But now that we know the, uh, the real numbers, we actually need a lot more than that. Um, so now what we really would love to have is about 500000 raised. So that's 300 more than what we thought on the front end that we'd love to have raised. Not a big deal to the Lord, right? And uh, he can make this work, uh, but I, we need your help. We really do need your help to do this. And, I, you know, I feel as though personally, as we've gone through this process over the last year plus, it, it, as the Lord has kind of led me back to this place several times, this building, it feels as though to me, just being honest with you, that it feels like an invitation. It feels like an invitation from the Lord, uh, from the what I would call prophetic things happening from the address being a scripture that God had given me years ago for our church to it being connected to Bethabara, which is the first place that the Moravians came here in this area. It's, it's the end of the Bethabara Trail ends at this building. Several things, as well as the, the potential for it, have felt like man, the Lord has invited us into something. And sometimes when the Lord invites you to something, there's a leap of sorts, right? Um, I've had to do that personally. You guys have done that. When I quit the government, uh, I could not see the path forward. What I felt was the Lord was, and I was just getting married too, which wasn't the best timing, but um, I felt like the Lord was inviting me to take a leap um, of some faith, and to resign from CIA and to go toward what he had for me. And man, he's, he, is, um, he is made up for, he has made work what I never could have imagined. And I feel a little bit like this. I feel like as a church here we are, um, 20 years in basically in, in root in this journey the Lord has had us. And I feel as though this is an opportunity for us. So that's just what is in my heart. But we don't have the kind of structure here where we vote or have you vote on what we're going to do. 
We have a board that I'm submitted to and we work together with uh, for these type of decisions, but the way that you can vote is with your donations. <laughs> the way that you can say yes to this is to, to come alongside with us and to say, hey, I wanna be a part of this, I wanna see this happen. And uh, I've never been one, and I don't plan on ever being one to add pressure to anybody to give. Uh, the way the Lord works and everything that I see that he does throughout the scriptures from salvation to healing to giving is always by invitation. And that's just the nature of God. I'm so thankful that he's that way. But he does give invitations to, uh, to follow him, right? And sometimes there's a cost to it. And I, I want to give an invitation to all of you today to uh, participate with us and to give toward this. To ask the Lord, what, what would you have me give? And we have a great way to do this um, where you can actually pledge. If you go to awakechurch.com and hit the give button, under the give button, a drop down, there's a new building project. If you click on that, what will pop up is a slide that says pledge or donate. If you hit pledge, it's really slick. I, I stepped through it. You put the amount that you want to pledge. Like you say, you want to, I'll just come up with a number. Let's say you want to pledge $5,000 over the next year. And then it, then next, the next screen or the slide is for you to put in or attach to push pay where you put in your credit card or whatever. And you can say, I want to give whatever, $100 a week, or I want to give a couple hundred dollars every couple of weeks or whatever it is. And it will just do it automatically. You never have to think about it. But what happens is that pledging helps us see that people want to give a certain amount over the next year, or however long you want to do that. That would be really helpful. Uh, One-time donations would be great as well. Uh, as many of you have already done, really appreciate it. You can give stock, which we can cash and, and use as well. We've had someone do that already. So appreciative of that. Uh, we're working on the ability to give crypto. And so we've applied for the exchange site to do that, and we haven't been accepted yet. But hopefully that will come any moment and where you can even give that way. So um, there's the opportunities. I wanted to, if you would, with me, um, this is a big decision for us. And uh, I really, really want the Lord's heart in this. We, we've never wanted to do anything the Lord didn't want us to do. And there's just been no roadblocks on this that I felt from the Lord. It feels like an invitation. So would you pray with me? Can we just pray for a moment on this? And uh, let's just bring this to the Lord. Just as a church, here we are, Lord. And uh, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you brought us to this place. Thank you for the journey all the way to here. And Lord, uh, we present, even as a body, this opportunity, this facility, this property, the future here of a place for us to meet and to grow together and um, really to help lift up even a part of the city. Lord, we ask for your help. We ask for uh, generosity. Lord, we ask that there would be, that you would put on hearts uh, those things that you want to have happen and that we get to partner with you in it. Lord, we ask for also huge favor from you. As we've seen already, we ask for even greater Lord, I ask you'd make a way in ways where it doesn't all the way make sense. Lord, I ask that you would um, lead us. And if this is not you too, Lord, you'd shut it down. We want to be where you want us to be. And Lord, I just want to say thank you for each person here, for those who see Awake Church as their, as their home. Lord, thank you that you've drawn them here. Lord, I ask that you'd continue to feed us and build us and encourage and grow us to look like you, Jesus. 
And Lord, I also ask for great faith. Let your faith grow on the inside of us for everything that you have. Lord, I ask for, uh, for so many as you've done already, for, for dreams, for visions, for insight. Lord, for provision for themselves, for their family, for the ability to give way above and beyond what they could even imagine. Lord, I ask for your favor on our lives. And Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Ask you to put it on, on all of our hearts, what you would like us to give toward this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we'll probably, I'm sure I'll, we'll update you all along the way. Um, but this week, we have to make a decision whether we're going to move forward on the closing or not. So end of due diligence is this week. So uh, we'll be making a decision on this, a yes or a no, by this Thursday. So I ask you to continue to pray with, for us and whatever the Lord has for us. And uh, again, your gifts of any size really will be, will be wonderfully received. And, uh, and we'll use it toward that. All right. Here we go. I want to uh, continue on. If you were here last week, I talked about the first part of Jesus' message to John for the seven churches. And if you weren't here or weren't able to watch it online, it's all recorded. You can go back and play that again. Encourage you to see it, to watch that, because I'm going to go from there. And I explained a little, there, there are some things I explained in there that I'm not going to touch on today. But pretty amazing when I think about, when we think about not only the great love of Jesus when he came and demonstrated and gave his life as a living sacrifice, died, paid that price for us to live with him forever, but how he continues to stay with us and to help us and to give us the Holy Spirit all the way to the end. It wasn't just like this one thing he did. It's like he said this. He said, I am with you always, right? I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always to the end of the age. However long that takes, I will never leave you. And then he said, I'm sending my Holy Spirit. He's gonna live on the inside of you. So God is just, he is so in love with you and me. He's provided everything that we need. And then he fills us with himself. And then he speaks to us not only through his word, which is one of the primary ways that he speaks to us, but he speaks to us personally through his spirit. And he gives us messages and he encourages us. He never leaves us. And that's so remarkable that we are never alone. If you're feeling alone, it's a lie because you're never alone. The Holy Spirit is there. Jesus says, I'll never leave you. And as I look at this passage in the book of Revelation, Jesus comes to John and gives him a message that's so personal to those that he loves. He said it's for his bond servants, those that follow him, those that have laid their lives down to follow him and to pursue him. These churches that are scattered throughout uh, what's modern day Turkey uh, in Asia, Jesus says, I have a personal message for them. And write this down. So John writes this down. He is on the island of Patmos, which was basically um, a prison uh, area for the, the, the Romans would send prisoners. He was a prisoner there because he had been preaching, sharing the gospel. So he's there and, and Jesus shows up and gives him this personal message for his, his body. And uh, there's so many interpretations to the book of Revelation. 
and to these, this message to these churches. Some believe that it, it was just four, just very literal, for those seven churches, that was it. Others believe, no, each church represents an age of several hundred years all the way till the end. Um, and it was, it's for them instead, but I'll really, I think it's for both. I think it's for us, and I think it's for the churches that he was speaking to specifically in that moment. Just as when we read the scripture of the gospels, it's not just for the disciples that Jesus was saying something, it's for us right? We apply these things. His word, uh, it's as if the, the ink is still wet. It's still, it's alive, Hebrews says. It's alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's alive. The messages of Jesus, the words of Jesus, we can apply right now, this moment in our lives. So as he's speaking to these seven churches, he's not just speaking to them, though he is speaking to them, but he's not just speaking to them. He's speaking to us because he loves us because he cares for us, because he cares for this moment of time that you and I are in right now. And he wants to keep us from going astray. He wants to encourage us. He wants to keep us from getting distracted and falling in ways that we would be blind to and finding ourselves separate from God entirely and not even knowing why. So Jesus highlights these type of distractions in these. And so we shared last week on the first church, we only made it to the first church. And I was planning on doing all of this in two weeks, and I'm guessing right now it's going to take a third. But last week we talked about the first church of Ephesus. And really, Jesus encourages them, and you'll see this, this really pattern for most of the churches that he speaks to. There's a really encouragement, and then uh, I call it the, the Jesus criticism sandwich. He encourages them, that's the bread on the top, and then he deals with things that they need to make adjustments in. He corrects them. And then the bread in the back is more encouragement. Here's some promises you're going to have if you make these adjustments. Gives them the sandwich. And for the church of Ephesus, he was saying, please return to your first love, which is loving him. And he encourages them. Thank you for hating the teachings of the Nicolaitans. So he encourages them several times. And then we're going to get to the second church here, which is the church of Smyrna. And again, these, this is where these churches are in physical place. There was Patmos on the bottom left. That's where John was. And then Jesus gives these personal messages to each of the churches, and it really goes in a circle. He starts with Ephesus, goes to Smyrna. Pergamum goes all the way around. He just goes to each one with one of these messages. This is where they were in and I guess are in real life. So let's read Revelation chapter two, starting with verse eight. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? Or in that, that word angel can be translated messenger. So it could speak of the bishop or the leader of that fellowship as well. And he says something about himself first. He says, the first and the last, he who, he was, who, excuse me, who was dead and has come to life says this. So he identifies who I am. He says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one who was dead, and now I'm alive, just to let you know who's speaking here. And then he gives this, this message. Verse 9, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. In reality, he's seeing the, the richness, their eternal wealth that they have. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Verse 10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. He's letting them know ahead of time. We got some suffering ahead for you guys. 
Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death. He's also telling them what's ahead of them. That's a, that's a rough one, right? He says, be faithful till death. I will give you the crown of life. This is just a temporary thing you're gonna go through. You got a crown of life waiting for you. Verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Now, this is the only church of the seven that Jesus, we're talking about the sandwich of bread, meat, bread. This is just bread. There's no correction to them. There's no correction for them. He's just saying, you guys have done amazing. I understand what you've been through. You've been through severe tribulation, poverty, blasphemy, but you've held fast. You're gonna suffer some more, but I'm, I'm with you, I'm for you. The leader of this church, John was the pastor, the leader, the bishop of Ephesus, the church of, at Ephesus until he was imprisoned. And then Polycarp was the leader, the pastor of this church, who was the disciple of John, uh, one of my heroes of the faith, who lived till he was 86, and then he was burnt, and then a spear ran through him, ran through him. Um, so he died a martyr, who was the leader of this church. And here, uh, much of this church also went through that. And when I think of the application of what Jesus is saying for these people, I think of the persecuted church around the world of which we are not a part of that. I mean, we're a part of them in a large sense, but we aren't going through the same things they're going through. Um, the church in the Middle East and China and North Korea right now, where you've got hundreds of thousands of your brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters are in prison right now, many of them suffering, going through tribulation like we've never known, we've never experienced. I think of this message for them. Hang in there. I see what you're going through. You've got a crown of life. It's just awaiting you. I mean, that's a reality right now around the world. It's hard for us to imagine that because of where we live and what things are like for us. And we get to worship and sing and dance around and shout and read the Bible and talk about Jesus. And there's no police coming in here to arrest us, take us to prison. I'm so grateful. But this is for, this is for them. And then it goes to uh, the third church, Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. And to the messenger, the angel of the church in Pergamum, right? The one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this. So Jesus, again, speaking of himself, talking about an aspect of what he has and what he does. He's got a two-edged sword, which is a lot different than the way he came the first time. He's almost speaking a little bit of when he returns, it says there'll be a a sword coming out of his mouth. The words that he says are gonna be very cutting. He's gonna be dealing with a lot of issues. I think one of the first things that happens when Jesus returns, he's gonna deal with all corruption on the planet, that which is significant in every single nation. But here he says, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, verse 13, I know where you dwell. You know, all, all these messages are just so personal. He's letting them know what they've been through, but he also knows where they dwell. I know you dwell. It's where Satan's throne is. That's serious. Pergamum happens to be the city where this is where Satan in the spiritual kingdom has set up his, his, his throne. But you hold fast my name. Wow. 
That's a, strong, that's a strong encouragement for them. You're holding fast my name, even in the midst of where Satan's dwelling himself. And did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, which was a saint, a part of that church, a believer who declared the gospel strongly and was um, persecuted, murdered, martyred for his faith. Jesus names this guy, this church member, by name. I mean, that's like me calling out one of us in here, you know, and uh, saying, you, uh, like Jesus saying, this person, you, you went through, you did not deny my faith. Even in those days when you saw one of your church members get killed for his faith, you didn't back off to the rest of the body. My faithful one who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Verse 14, but... Here comes the meat of this sandwich. But I have a few things, not just one, I have a few things against you because you have there, basically in your fellowship among you, some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. You remember that story back in Numbers um, where Balak was hiring Balaam basically to prophesy against Israel and Balaam wouldn't do it. And um, he, he got in trouble really with the Lord because he kept trying to prophesy against Israel. And then he went around the backside and really um, gave Balak some instruction, some teaching as, as to how to cause Israel to fail. And it was to get them involved with sexual immorality. Introduce these certain women to them. They'll... they'll They'll fall, they'll be seduced by them, and they're gonna fall. And so Jesus says here, that teaching of getting people to fail immorally, um, not good, it's a stumbling block. And then it says, to eat the things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. So you can see all that in there, to get, getting them to commit acts of immorality. And then I mentioned last week as well that we're going to see through particularly the first four, three of the first four churches, that immorality is a serious issue that Jesus is addressing with all of these churches, all of these churches, in several different ways. And here it's two different ways. Verse 15, so you also have some who are in the same way, other people in your fellowship, hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans, which we talked about last week which is basically this, what we would call today, hyper-grace teaching, which is, means, you know, the grace of Jesus, because of what he did, covers all of your sin forever, regardless of how you live or what you do from here forward. So you can just continue to sin. I know it's hard. You can just, you know, you can live an immoral life. It's okay to sleep around with whoever. The grace of Jesus covers that. That is, that's the hyper-grace teaching of today, that much of that is in the church, and that was this teaching. This is the teaching of the Nicolaitans, which Jesus said, I hate this. Because, you know, Paul talked about it. He said, may we not continue to sin when we see what Jesus has done for us. The cost of our sin was the death of him. He paid for it so that we would not sin any longer. We would not be owned by sin. We wouldn't be slaves to sin. We wouldn't continue to sin and trample underfoot the grace of God. Hebrews says that. And Jesus brings this real clear. Then you guys, you're holding fast my name in a tough place. You're not denying me, but you're, 
you've got these bad understandings. You're allowing this sexual immorality to become rampant among you, or you're okay with these people teaching these things, and it's causing people to go astray. It's a false teaching. It's a, what would be called a doctrine of demons. So Jesus then goes on, therefore, repent, repent. Now, these are believers he's saying to repent, not just unbelievers. He's talking to believers to repent from this mindset. Repent means to turn around, basically. Go a different way. Think differently. Change your thinking. Or else I'm coming to you quickly and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. Speaking when he returns. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then he says at the end, to him who overcomes. You know, a portion of the day in which we live, overcoming is overcoming in part the sexual immorality of our age. That's, that's a part of it right there. We're saying, I'm not going to agree with how the world thinks related to morality. I'm going to agree with how God views morality, right? That's repenting. I'm getting rid of how I think things should be, and this should be okay. And no, I'm going to say, God, you know what? You, you really are intelligent and smart, and you know exactly how this is supposed to be. You are the one who made us. So I'm agreeing with what you say rather than what the world is pushing. He who overcomes to him, I will give him some of the hidden manna. I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows, but he who receives it. Something special that Jesus is saying, I've got special rewards for all of you. And some of these are so unique. I mean, he's not even saying this to the other churches. This is a unique one, but it's interesting. Hidden manna can speak of himself. Jesus said in John 6, I'm the bread that came down out of heaven to give life to the world. So maybe there's some sort of experience with him personally that is a part of this, those who overcome. The white stone, my guess, back in these days in the Roman Empire, um, if you were participating in a sporting event and you won, you would receive a white stone with your name on it. And that would mean you could come to the awards banquet for all the winners. So my guess, knowing Jesus and the way that he you read all of the parables in the Gospels. He's always using things they can relate to of what's going on right then in their time. And then he will use that for a spiritual higher reality and, and show them. My guess is that's what he's saying here, but who knows? But what we do know is this, that these teachings of Balaam, Balak, the Nicolaitans is highly offensive to Jesus. And I want to, you know, one of the things that the, I believe the fear of the Lord is, is the hatred of evil. That's what it says in Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, to hate the things that the Lord hates and to love the things that he loves. If we are going to be like him, then we also are going to do the same. I'm going to hate the things that you hate, not people, the things, but I'm also going to love the things that you love. That's, uh, it's, it's really important. And this, this repentance, repentance is so beautiful. You know what? The repentance is not just for the unbeliever. You realize it's for us too? It's a beautiful thing. Repentance is a beautiful thing. It means that whatever mess we find ourselves in and the Lord fingers that or I, identifies it or brings it to our attention that we can in a moment change. 
We can be free. We can turn to him and say, God, what was I doing? I'm so sorry for the way I was thinking. I'm so sorry for the way I was behaving. So sorry for what I've done. I repent. I turn to you and ask that you'd forgive me. And I, I choose your way from here forward. Repentance is, is a beautiful thing. It's a spectacular thing. It's hope in the midst of despair. And we can all change. I need it throughout my life. Uh, I don't never want to have this mindset of, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just a sinner. I'll just keep sinning. Yes, I will make mistakes and yes, I will sin. But that, be, that should not be my lifestyle. That is not the way that I want to live every day. Romans 6 says, if you're in Jesus and you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, here's how you should live. Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ Jesus, right? Consider yourself that way. So consider yourself more of alive to Jesus than you are a sinner, right? You're a brand new creature, a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. The sin life has been crucified. That's an awesome thing. And that's how we are to live. But when the Holy Spirit identifies something like, or Jesus identifies something like this specifically and says, hey, if you are okay with the mindset that it's just okay to sleep around, it's okay to have adultery, it's okay to have homosexual relationships, it's okay to have sex before marriage, all that is okay because the grace of Jesus covers it. Then I am in direct 180 degree out, opposite heart, mindset, attitudes of how Jesus thinks and feels. That's a good opportunity to repent. And this is for his churches. He's saying, you guys, if we're gonna make it through the end of the age, this kind of stuff has to get set. And if you have that set, you are an overcomer. And to the overcomers, there are rewards. There are great rewards to those who overcome. I am taking this message personally. Let's Try and get to one more church. Chapter two, verse 18. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, Jesus speaks of himself, the son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds. Here's the sandwich. And your love and faith and service and perseverance. He's encouraging these guys. I know your deeds. I've seen what you've done. And your love and your faith, your perseverance, your service, and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. You're progressing. How you started, it's, even, it's getting better day by day. What you're doing, who you are, it's getting better. But then he says this, but I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so that they commit what? Acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Here's the same type of things. Like the enemy has the same tricks in 20 different packages, but it's all the same stuff. Just loosen up your thinking related to immorality. There's nothing really immoral. And this teaching came into this church. Here they are serving, faithful, loving persevering, yet they opened themselves up to this demonic teaching that would cause people to commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent 
and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. It's still saying, I've given her time to repent. I'm giving her more time to repent. And all those who have gotten caught up in this. Verse 23, it's a tough one. And I will kill her children with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. You know, there really is consequence to sin. There really, and it's, it's for today, not just Old Testament. Um, when I read that story of Ananias and Sapphira, hello. It's, you realize this is, the grace of God is not to be trampled underfoot. It is a serious thing. He's given us power over sin. Not to continue to spread it, Right? And so the sin of Jezebel here in this case, whoever this person is or group of people that he's referring to, um, their sin is opened up themselves to a pestilence of, of some sort. And there will be some death there because of it. Verse 24, but I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. 25, nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. There's some great things you've got. Don't let those go. Hold fast to those. He who overcomes, he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. There is this ruling and reigning with Jesus. There is a reward ceremony when he returns. Judgment is for those who have already given their lives to Jesus, their hearts to Jesus, have received the blood of Jesus. Judgment is a reward ceremony more than it is any type of condemnation. And here is a, a, a part of that. He says, if, if you overcome, if you hold fast, I'm giving you authority over the nations. You're gonna rule and reign with me in some pretty incredible ways. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces. I also have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star. Jesus is referred to himself as the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. There is always great reward that we cannot see that's in this other realm when Jesus returns or we go to meet him before he returns, however that works, for the, what, the way we've lived, the things we've done, the life that we have lived and how we've held fast to his ways and not our ways. Those bond servants that these letters are written to, those who have been pierced through their ear in a sense. That's what uh, happened in the book of Exodus for bond servants. He's speaking to bond servants. Those who have been pierced through their life is not about themselves. It's not about what they want. It's about what Jesus wants. They're, the reward is great. It's beyond what we can think of or even imagine what Jesus has for us. But for us here in this age, in this time, this era, who knows how long we all get to live? Who knows how long it is before Jesus returns? But here's the encouragement here. There is great reward, and yet we have an opportunity to in the midst of whether Satan's close by or not, to be faithful to him, to hold fast, to love, to persevere, to overcome, 
and to repent whenever some of these mindsets that get on us that are worldly mindsets. We want to repent of it quickly, shun those, get away from those, hold on to Jesus, keep our eyes on him, and watch what he will do with our lives all the way to the end. It's worth it. This is the message of Jesus to us and to every church of every age. All right. You guys all right? I'll hit these other couple of churches left at another time. So here's what I know. There's food out there. There's chicken and sides and some great stuff that you guys brought. And if you didn't bring anything, don't leave. Please stay and enjoy. We should have enough for everybody. We don't have prophetic teams out there. I believe we still have ministry teams up here if you'd like prayer today. Let me pray for us, pray for the food, and let you go and enjoy. If you have questions about this building that I was talking about in the beginning, uh, I'll be hanging around up here up front. Some of the details I can't give you contractually, but um, if I could help answer questions, I'm happy to do that. And thanks again. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness your love, your intense love, not only at the cross, not only at the tomb that was empty, but your love for us every single day, your care for your body, how you speak and you continue to speak and you help keep us on your path. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would be devoted to you till the end, that we would be those that you could speak of and write about, that keep your name, that hold fast to you, that don't give in to the ways of the world in our hearts, that we would be steadfast, wholly yours, hearts pure, lives living for you fully. Jesus asked that you'd help. Lord, if there's any way in us and every way in us that doesn't agree with your spirit, that you are offended by, if there's a mindset, if there's a thinking that's wrong, Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would convict us of that so that we can repent, so that we can change our mind, change our ways, turn to you. And Lord, I, I thank you for your gift of repentance that it's always available for us, all the way through to the end. Thank you that you are the God of hope and that you give us your hope at every turn. Keep us strong, keep us in the faith. I pray that all of us that are in this room right now and those that are watching, as we get to be together forever, that we even be looking back one day at these days, at these times of how we got to live and how we got to choose you above all the ways in the world and lived faithfully for you. Lord, I pray that everyone here would have these white stones with our name on it. That everyone here through every time and every season would choose you above all the ways of the world. We love you. We give our lives to you again. We trust you. We're so appreciative of your goodness, Lord. And thank you for speaking in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.